It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday weekend. I know I did. It's good to be back in the saddle here. Man, we haven't been here since Wednesday, so I am definitely refreshed. It's been a fun uh, four-day weekend, a lot of sports, college football, NFL, basketball hoops, uh, great college basketball tournaments here in Vegas, and and it was a really good time, and I had a lot of fun, and we're going to have some fun today, of course. As always, uh, coming up in hour number two, uh, Scott Gully Gulbrinson from the Silver and Black Today podcast will be joining us to talk a little Raiders football. Uh, first seven or eight minutes of the game looked pretty promising, but uh, after that, uh, the Raiders did what they normally do. Um, all due respect to the Chiefs. I mean, they're, they're an incredible football team, but we'll talk a little bit about that um, coming up a little bit later on. Uh, in the show, as Scott Gully Gulbrinson will join us. Chris Wynn's going to be joining us in studio as well. We'll talk a little UNLV football. Uh, they're going to be playing Boise State at home. Uh, I'm selfishly very happy that the game's going to be at home, but I'm also going to say that those computer systems, I think, are a little bit, uh, what's the word uh, that I would use? Bias. I'm pretty sure the people in the Mountain West didn't want to travel to Boise, and they wanted to come to Las Vegas. I think that's why the game is at home. But hey, I'm happy for it. So we'll talk a little bit about that coming up in our number two as well. We got a lot to get to. We're also going to talk about right-wing misinformation. Remember when we heard last week about the explosion at the border. Uh, speaking of explosions, I'm sorry, my ADD, uh, porn star Evan Stone will be joining us in studio tomorrow. I had to throw that in there, speaking of explosions. But anyway, going back to what I was talking about, uh, in all seriousness, uh, we had this explosion at the border, uh, and, and, and a lot of people on the far right were blaming Joe Biden. They said it was uh, terrorism. Well, it turns out it was just a car accident, ladies and gentlemen, a serious one, but a car accident. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the program as well. Okay, here's what I want to start with today. The man who's responsible for murdering George Floyd was stabbed behind bars. I don't condone that sort of behavior, but at the same time, I don't feel bad for murderers either. So it turns out that uh, the former Minneapolis police officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, was stabbed and he was also very seriously injured at the federal prison that he is in in Arizona, uh, according to the Minnesota Attorney General. We don't have a lot of information other than the fact that we know that he is going to survive. And again, as I said earlier, I, I don't condone that sort of behavior. When I hear that prisoners are attacking other prisoners, doesn't matter what the crimes are that they committed, it's wrong. And I don't condone that sort of behavior. At the same time, when I heard that Derek Chauvin was stabbed, the first thing that entered my mind wasn't, oh my God, I feel so sorry for him. Oh my God, he's an innocent man. But if you listen to some people on the far right, they'll lead you to believe that Derek Chauvin should have never been behind bars in the first place. And this gave them an opportunity to, again, speak of their racism and bigotry in regards to the convicted murderer. Let me repeat that one more time. Derek Chauvin is a convicted murderer. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. But if you listen to somebody like the white supremacist Tucker Carlson, he'll lead you to tell something very, very 
different. But the question is, did he actually murder George Floyd? And the answer is, well, no, he didn't murder George Floyd. And we're not guessing about that. We know it conclusively, thanks to a new court case now underway in Hennepin County, Minnesota. Really? You know it conclusively because of another trial that had nothing to do with George Floyd and a prosecutor that made some statements that she had some sort of conversation with the medical examiner that are unfounded and unproven. But yet, Tucker, the white supremacist Carlson III, somehow correlates that to George Floyd was not murdered, doesn't talk about the actual evidence and the fact that he was convicted, Derek Chauvin, in a court of law. It is hilarious. It is pathetic. And these people on the far right are continuing to spew their propaganda and their white supremacy, Tucker Carlson being one of them. Another guy is Jack Posobiec. If you don't know who Jack Posobiec is, he's a guy with a lot of followers on social media who I believe is a white supremacist himself. He's worked with white nationalists. He's worked with Proud Boy members. He's worked with neo-Nazis. And if anybody wants to call OAN an actual news network, then um, I would laugh at you there as well. Um, this is a guy that's pushed conspiracy theories, particularly in this case. He said he followed the George Floyd case every single day. And, you know, this is a guy that uh, promotes hatred and bigotry. And God forbid, you know, uh, if, if a black person is killed by a white officer, can't have anything to do with racism, right? It just can't. It's the mob. It's the left. It's George Soros. That's who Jack Posobiec is, okay? And I called him out and I called him a racist. And he blocked me yesterday on Twitter. So it's an honor. But anyway, this is some of the stuff that Jack Posobiec has been spewing and continues to spew when the news came out that Derek Chauvin was stabbed. And I'm just going to come out here and say something as plain as I can. Derek Chauvin did not murder George Floyd. Derek Chauvin, the police officer, did not murder George Floyd. Now, listen, I'm not surprised that a white supremacist would have that opinion. It's interesting, isn't it? You don't see a lot of black people saying that. Why is that? We all saw that nine minutes of video. We all saw Derek Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's neck. We all saw the life taken out of him. But if you're Jack Posobiec, you don't look at any of that evidence. You just defend the white man because you're a white supremacist, and he called it woke justice. We as a country need to have a system of criminal justice. We do. But we can't have a system of political justice, of woke justice. It was woke justice that put Derek Chauvin behind bars. It was woke justice. So was the nine-minute video a woke video? I'm just curious. Were all the jurors woke? Were the prosecutors woke? All woke. Interesting how these right-wing turds call something woke. If a white man has to suffer the consequences for a crime that he committed on a black man, isn't it interesting? Would Jack Posobiec saying the same thing if a black officer put his knee on a white man for nine minutes 
and that white man was convicted of murder with Jack Posobiec going on social media saying that it was a woke verdict. Would Jack Posobiec be defending the black person? By the way, has Jack Posobiec ever defended anybody black, any minorities at all? Why is he always defending white people? Why is Tucker Carlson always defending white people? Why don't you ever defend black people? Now, I think I know why, and I think I know the answer to that question. But Jack Posobiec now goes on and he says that murder has been redefined. Have a listen to this. We can't redefine murder because we want a police officer to go to jail and because we want hashtag justice for George Floyd. The regime launched a color revolution, a domestic color revolution in 2020 in this country because they wanted to enact domestic change in our country. And they used and exploited the shocking and tragic death of Mr. Floyd as a means to their end. No, Jack. What many people in this country did and continue to do is use George Floyd's death as a symbol, a symbol of police brutality, a symbol of racism, a symbol of wrongdoing. But to the white supremacists out there like Jack Posobiec, he looks at this whole case as just left-wingers out there and black people complaining about racism. Jack is a guy that believes that systemic racism doesn't exist. Let's keep that in mind as well. If you don't think that systemic racism exists in the United States of America, you're probably wearing your Klan outfit tonight and you're a grand wizard. If you don't think that systemic racism exists in this country, then you're probably headed to that Klan meeting tonight. You're probably voting for Donald Trump. That's right. You're probably pleasuring yourself to a picture of Cheeto Jesus in your bedroom. That's probably what you're doing. Let me be very clear. This is not an opinion. This is a fact. And I'm going to speak very slowly and distinctly for you clan members out there like Jack Posobiec. So maybe you can understand. But it's okay. Don't worry because Donald Trump loves you. He says he loves the uneducated. So don't worry about it. Derek Chauvin is a convicted murderer. Why, you ask? He was convicted in a court of law. When your arms are and your hands are handcuffed behind your back and you're lying on your belly and you're not fighting police, you're not going anywhere. Police officers are not trained to put a knee on somebody's neck for five seconds, let alone nine minutes. It doesn't matter what drugs were in George Floyd's body. It doesn't matter the crime that he was committing at that time. And it also doesn't matter what he did prior in his life. I don't think George Floyd is a hero. I don't think George Floyd is a martyr. Wasn't a good guy. I'll be the first one to admit that. But that doesn't mean that a police officer should be judge and jury. The type of person you are doesn't matter in that moment. All that matters is what were you doing in that moment. And what we know, based on the video, and by the way, we wouldn't have that video if not for the innocent bystanders that, uh, standards that recorded it. 
Jarek Chauvin would still be a police officer today if we didn't have that video because we would have never seen the body camera footage and they would have lied on the police report, which, by the way, we know they did. The only reason why we know who George Floyd is is because of the innocent bystanders that recorded what took place that tragic day. Same thing with Rodney King. We would not know who Rodney King is and we wouldn't know his name if an innocent bystander didn't record it. Mark my words, those body cameras are not always on. I am pro-police, but I believe you can be pro-police and pro-Black Lives Matter. I believe there are a lot of good police officers out there that are heroes. Obviously, Derek Chauvin, not one of them. He's a murderer. I believe there are a lot of good cops out there, but in any profession, you're going to have some bad apples out there. And there are some bad cops out there. We know that. That's 100%. That's not up for debate. And then we go to a complete moron, a right-wing turd in Jason Whitlock. And the fact that Jason Whitlock is even black and he's defending Derek Chauvin, mesmerizing to me that you would choose money and, and Twitter followers and you would choose propaganda to try to get clicks over really lying and hurting your own people. Listen to what Jason Whitlock had to say about Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. The restraint that they were doing on George Floyd is what they were trained to do. It's what they were trained to do. No one broke procedure. Derek Chauvin and the three other cops did exactly what they were trained to do by the Minneapolis police force. Jason Whitlock is a clown and he has absolutely no idea what he is talking about. There is not one precinct in the entire country that would say when somebody is lying on their belly and they're not resisting and they're handcuffed with their hands behind their back, that it is proper procedure to have three officers holding somebody down and one officer putting his knee on that person's neck when they're claiming that they can't breathe for almost nine minutes. Jason Whitlock is an idiot. And the only reason why he is saying those things is so that he can get clicks and he could make money. And it is despicable because a man was murdered. A man was killed. And put him in the category of the Jack Posobiecs and the Tucker Carlsons for, again, right-wing misinformation lies. I don't feel bad for Derek Chauvin that he was stabbed. Do I condone that sort of behavior? No, but there's a difference. I didn't feel bad when Rush Limbaugh died of cancer. Did I wish he died of cancer? No, because I'm not that kind of person, but I wasn't shedding any tears either. Derek Chauvin is a convicted murderer. When I hear of convicted murderers getting beaten behind bars, I don't celebrate, but I certainly don't cry either. I tend to feel sorrow and anger and hurt for decent, good people. That's not who Derek Chauvin is. He's a bad guy. He's a murderer. And that's why he's behind bars. I feel bad. And I talk about things on this radio show and on social media. When bad things happen to good people, when innocent people are kidnapped in Israel, 
Innocent Palestinians die. I talk about issues like that. When an innocent black man is jogging down the street, Ahmaud Aubrey, and he's lynched by three white people, I feel bad for him and his family. I don't feel bad for the people that committed the crime because that's who I am. But if you go on television over the weekend and if you listen to right-wing echo chamber, right-wing conservative talk radio, they're speaking positively about Derek Chauvin. Because you see, when Donald Trump is facing 91 felonies, the right-wing turds out there will defend him. Oh, he couldn't have done anything wrong. Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong, but but he's a liable rapist. Oh, that doesn't mean anything. What about the 25 women that have accused him of sexual assault or rape? Oh, no, they're all liars. It's all left-wingers out there and left-wing judges and the DOJ. Donald Trump couldn't have committed any crimes, right? And they do the same thing with Derek Chauvin. Oh, no, Derek Chauvin couldn't have been a murderer. Well, wait a second. He had a history of putting his knee on people's necks. He had a history of saying racist things at an employer that he worked at who testified under oath. We saw the video, nine minutes, knee on the neck. Oh, no, he couldn't have committed a crime. That wasn't murder. The Jack Posobiecs of the world will say it's woke justice, when many of these people can't even define what woke is. Redefining murder. No, Jack, this isn't redefining murder. This was murder. And I have plenty of police officers that are friends of mine that were all disgusted when they watched that video. So I guess all those police officers are wrong and Jack Posobiec, the white supremacist sympathizer, is right. It doesn't surprise me that Proud Boy members and those who associate themselves with white nationalists and those who associate themselves with neo-Nazis would defend Derek Chauvin. These are the kind of people that would donate money to Derek Chauvin. Because they're all bigots and they're all racist. And again, I ask this question one more time, and I think we should all think about this. What if? What if Derek Chauvin was black? What if all those officers around him were black? And what if that was a white man that was murdered the way George Floyd was murdered? Would Tucker Carlson be defending those black officers? Would Jack Posobiec be calling it woke justice. Ask yourself that question. What about the Parkland Five? Five African Americans that were convicted back in the day of murder. And they were found innocent years later. Do you hear Tucker Carlson and Jack Posobiec talking about that? Are those guests going on their talk shows? No, because it doesn't fit their racist narrative. Because if it's a white police officer that commits murder, in this case to a black man, can't have anything to do with race, right? No evidence that it had anything to do with race. That's who these people are. That's who Tucker Carlson V is. That's who Jack Posobiec is. And I look at somebody like a Jason Whitlock, And he's no different than a Candace Owens or a Larry Elder. No difference. They're opportunists. They just happen to be black. And they know that if they defend white people when they shouldn't be defended, 
it's going to cause a lot of ruckus on social media and they're going to get popular and it's going to get ratings and they're going to make money. That's why they do what they do. Candace Owens was a Democrat. Why did she become a Republican? Not because all of a sudden she said, you know what? I'm sick of the Democratic Party and I want to be a Republican and I want to be with all these white people that are Republicans. I had an epiphany. No, she did it so that she could sell books that I would use as toilet paper, by the way, to make money. They're opportunists. I don't know what's in Jack Posobiec's heart. I think he's a racist. Don't know that for sure. I don't know what's in Tucker Carlson's heart. But I can tell you this, they spew their right-wing propaganda and their racism so they can make money. Same thing with Candace Owens. Same thing with Larry Elder, a black man who I can guarantee you has been, at some point in his life, has been the victim of racism. I guarantee you that. But he's not going to talk about that because it doesn't fit the narrative of his fans. They don't want to hear that there's racism in society, systemic racism. So he sells his books and he, you know, does his radio show and he makes his money appealing to the MAGA Republicans out there. Same thing with Candace Owens and others. The bottom line here is that Derek Chauvin is a convicted murderer for a reason. America saw the video. We saw what happened. We saw the knee on the neck for nine minutes. Has nothing to do with what type of person George Floyd was or even the what, the crime that he was committing. I think it was a fake $20 bill or something. Doesn't matter. All that matters is in that moment, in that nine minutes, George Floyd had his hands behind his back and he was handcuffed and he wasn't going anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take some phone calls. We're going to take a break first. The number to call if you'd like to be a part of the conversation is 702-221-7283. You know what? We'll, we'll take some phone calls now. Why don't we do that? 702-221-7283 is the number to call if you'd like to be a part of the conversation. And my question to you is this. Why is it? That all these right-wingers out there, many of them that happen to be white, are defending Derek Chauvin after the news came out that he was stabbed behind bars. Why is it? Why is it that all these people on the far right out there, many of them white, are defending Derek Chauvin and believe that Derek Chauvin uh, is innocent? Again, that number to call if you want to be a part of the show. I want to hear from you. Agree or disagree. 702-221-SAVE. 702-221-7283. Let's start off with Edward. I believe Edward is first up on Pushing Limits. Hi, Edward. What's going on? Hey, Brian. Happy Monday to you, man. How y'all doing? Happy, oh, and happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. What do you think about this? I think everybody has everybody deserves what they get sometimes. That's called karma. Like I, you know, like remember Jared from Subway? I do. He got stabbed in prison. Or he got his he got his butt whooped a few times. And I can kind of understand how, you know, you get a big rep on you. You're a big buck in these prisons and people want to make a name for themselves as well. Yeah. I mean, at the the same time, at the same time, I think, Edward, we probably I agree with what you said. At the same time, we probably agree that we don't condone this sort of behavior. Right. No, 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 Uh, no, no, no. But at the same time. Right. Of course. And I don't feel bad. for I don't feel bad for Derek. Yeah. Like like Jared from Subway, Whitey Bulger. Yeah. When he got when he was uh, when he got handed to him. And I guess this guy as well. I'm pretty sure the people that beat him up or whatever happened are probably getting free food or getting a lot of love. Yeah. Or people are like, hey, thank you for what you did. And I'm not saying violence is the answer. By no means. Yeah. But it does happen. 
Let me ask you another question. That's why they're in protective custody. I agree. Let me ask you. Let me ask you another question, Edward, because I I pose this question (laughs) to people. I think it's an important one. If if George Floyd, if George Floyd was white, and and those were four black officers that committed uh, those crimes, and and they were many of them were convicted. Do you think that these far right people like Jack Posobiec and and Tucker Carlson would they be defending the officers? You think? Of course not. Are you crazy? Right. <laughs> no. Right. It's a double standard. It's like you don't hear the NCAA. You don't hear the NCAA CP you know, helping uh, Caucasian people. Right. You know. Oh, listen. I agree with you. I mean, I just I think for the for the people out there, there are still people out there that think that uh, what Derek Chauvin did had nothing to do with race, which I think is is laughable and ridiculous. Um, yeah. but there are still people out there that or think that, force. yeah. And it's mesmerizing to me that even after the trial, right. It'd be one mm-hmm. thing if during the trial, and there were a lot of people during the trial that said Derek Chauvin was innocent, even though we have video that proves otherwise. But even yeah. now, even now, when we hear that Derek Chauvin was stabbed behind mm-hmm. bars, it gives these right wing racists another, uh, uh, perfect example. It gives them an opportunity <laughs> to defend Derek Chauvin and attack our justice system. Oh. See, I don't. I, you know, that's more what I'm guessing is, I, 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 in opinion, that's more personal in prison, I'm guessing. I've never been to prison, but the impression I get is that this guy had a target on him, and he was loud, and somebody just wants to make a name for themselves or get a little publicity for themselves. And right. I can understand how, you know, it's a race thing. I'm guessing it could be a race thing, like, hey, we didn't like that. And this guy, we don't know what we don't know what's going on behind bars, you know? And my question should be, if this guy got beat up or stabbed, where were the security? Where were the guards at during this? You know, I mean, yeah, where were, it's a good question. And obviously it doesn't matter what crime yeah. you commit when you're behind bars. You, you know, mm-hmm. I don't condone any type of beatings or anything that takes place. No, no, God, no. All I'm saying is this gives racists the opportunity to feel bad for Derek Chauvin. I, I don't feel bad for any convicted murderers, no matter what happens behind bars. Doesn't mean I condone it, yeah. uh, but I don't feel mm-hmm. bad for them. I feel bad for good no. people. I, I tend to feel sorrow and sadness mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I pray for, for decent human beings. Derek Chauvin is not that. He's a convicted no. murderer. Yeah. Edward. No, good. he's going away for the next. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say good to hear from you. I'm, I'm happy that you had Likewise. a good Thanksgiving, my friend, and, and you call back. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Later, no check. Later, Brian. Have a good one. Thanks, Bye-bye. Edward. Appreciate you. Uh, number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. Now we're going to take a break. Yes. Numbcheck says now we take a break. I listen to what he says. So we're going to do that. And then when we come back, we'll take some more phone calls. And again, that number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation is 702-221-SAVE, 702-221-7283. And when we come back, What a shocker. More right-wing conspiracy theorists out there claiming that Joe Biden is responsible for a traffic accident. Yeah, I'll explain what I mean when we come back. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here at KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. 
limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. When you bring your vehicle to Star Auto Care for Maintenance, you'll have a team of professionals at your service. Every one of our technicians has been factory trained and master status certified to ensure that you receive the highest quality and most effective service. Star Auto Care is located at 3540 East Tropicana Avenue, just east of Pecos. Star Auto Care is confident in their prices and will match any mechanic located within 20 miles. Bring your vehicle in today and let Star Auto Care give you the peace of mind you deserve when you service your car. Visit them online at starautocare.us. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up, hour number two. Going to talk a little Raiders football. Chris Wynn's going to be joining us in studio. Uh, disappointing final three quarters. I think you could probably say that. But you also lost to Super Bowl champions and greatness. So we'll talk a little bit about that coming up in hour number two. Scott Gully Gulbrinson from the Silver and Black Today podcast going to be joining us. Also, UNLV football. A little fortunate, I think we all could probably admit that not only are they in the championship game, but they're playing it at home. I have my conspiracy theories about that, not to sound like Jack Posobiec, but I do have some conspiracy theories as to why they decided to play the game in Las Vegas. So we'll talk a little bit about that coming up in our number two as well. Okay. So last week, I reported on a breaking news story when I was on the air of an explosion that took place at the New York-Canadian border. We didn't have a lot of information at the time, but what we did know is that two people lost their lives, and there were a lot of there was a lot of speculation and conspiracy theories out there. Uh, could it have been an explosion? Could it have been terrorism? We really didn't know. So I went on the air and I gave the facts, and then I said, "We don't know if this is, you know, terrorism." We don't know exactly what happened. Here's what we do know, and I gave out the information, and I think most responsible people. 
on the air, whether it be TV or radio, did the same. Now, there were some networks like Fox News and others that spread misinformation. And I'll get to that right now because there's a lot of people that are elected officials in office that were spreading blatant misinformation and blaming Joe Biden for what took place at the border when they had no idea what the cause or what really happened. By the way, it was a car accident and there were no explosives found in the car. I'll get back to that. Ted Cruz, the day that this crash took place, an elected official out of Texas, a despicable elected official, but an elected official no less, said, quote, this confirms our worst fear. The explosion at Rainbow Bridge was a terrorist attack. Both attackers are dead and one law enforcement officer is injured. He claimed that it was a terrorist attack without having any evidence to prove it. This is the same guy after Paul Pelosi was attacked by a madman with a hammer who claimed that there was a possibility that Paul Pelosi let him in and it was some sort of gay relationship. Now, when we learned that Paul Pelosi did not know this individual and he was a deranged individual that almost killed Paul Pelosi, did Ted Cruz retract his statement? Did he say, geez, I jumped the gun there. I'm sorry. My thoughts and prayers to Paul Pelosi and his family. No, because Ted Cruz is a piece of human garbage. That's why. He spreads conspiracy theories and misinformation, and he did about this attack. And why did he do that? Because he wanted to do another opportunity where he wanted to attack the Joe Biden administration. We heard no retraction and no apology from Ted Cruz for him spreading misinformation. Byron Donalds, another complete right-wing buffoon who Brown knows is Donald Trump and continues to do so. Byron Donalds said, today's apparent terrorist attack must be a wake-up call to all Americans. Now more than ever, we need a change in leadership in our nation. No, Mr. Donalds, it was not a terrorist attack. It never appeared to be a terrorist attack. And you are 100% wrong. But what does Byron Donalds do like so many on the right today that are elected in office? Byron Donalds took the opportunity to spread misinformation and attack the Biden administration. Did Byron Donalds retract his statement? Did he apologize? The answer is no. What about Rick Scott? The Florida senator described the incident as terrible. He said, it's terrible. Ann and I are praying for the law enforcement and the agents responding to this attack. We know that threats against America are on the rise. We know that threats against America are on the rise. This was not a threat. It was a car accident. That is what it was. We don't know if the person driving the car was drunk. We don't know why this person was speeding. Eventually, that information will come out. But it wasn't a threat to America like Rick Scott would suggest. Are you sensing a theme here? Hey, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Rick Scott didn't retract his statement, and he didn't apologize. Anna Paulina Luna, the Florida representative also shared some Fox News reporting claiming the explosion at the bridge was terror-related on social media, adding, quote, So it begins. We need to lock down the borders. 
immediately. Full deportation efforts need to begin. The U.S. does not need the world's hospitality suite any longer. So Anna Paulina Luna, who's another moron, is taking the opportunity to claim that this explosion was terror-related and that somehow it had to do with the border and illegals coming in. What do these right-wingers do again? The theme, spreading misinformation to support their agenda, in this case, blaming Joe Biden for what they claimed was a terror attack, when we know, based on the investigation by the FBI, that this was a car accident that had nothing to do with anybody undocumented, anybody crossing the border, anything to do with Joe Biden. Did Anna Luna apologize or did she retract her statement? The answer is no. Vivek Ramaswamy, who's done this show before, the Republican hopeful used the incident to attack the GOP primary rival, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who had nothing to do with this, by the way. He criticized the entrepreneur for his suggestion to build a wall across the U.S.-Canada border. Are you sensing a theme here, ladies and gentlemen? Vivek Ramaswamy taking the opportunity with all the misinformation that was out there on a two-car crash, or I'm sorry, one-car crash with two passengers in the car that had nothing to do with terrorism and had nothing to do with the actual border itself. But Vivek Ramaswamy takes the opportunity once again to attack the left, and in this case, even attacking Chris Christie, which had nothing to do with this car crash that took place. Not one lawmaker had anything to do with this car crash that took place, but that's what Vivek Ramaswamy would lead you to believe. Then there's Florida Congressman Corey Mills. He called for the closure of all land border crossing points in the wake of the explosion at Rainbow Bridge, and he said that the White House must, quote, immediately secure borders and conduct full post-blast analysis, intel reports, and prepare for follow-on incidents. Corey Mills is an idiot. Again, Corey Mills has absolutely no idea what happened. Corey Mills did not retract or apologize for the statements that were made because Corey Mills is a moron. You don't do what Corey Mills wanted to do unless you know for sure that this was some sort of planned terror attack, which we now know it was not. Then there's Florida. What is it with all these Florida representatives? They're all, I I don't understand. The Florida representative discussed the early reports that the crash was a terror attack while praising the response from Border Patrol. Again, makes absolutely and positively no sense. Andy Biggs, the Arizona congressman, also used the incident at Rainbow Bridge to attack President Joe Biden and his policies. Mike Kelly, the Pennsylvania congressman, posted on X, I'm incredibly alarmed by the reports of an attempted terror attack at the U.S.-Canada border. For months, I've warned about the surge of suspected terrorists entering through our northern border. We must greatly enhance border security at all of our borders, including the north. Um... Did Mike Kelly retract? Did Mike Kelly did did Mike Kelly retract at all his statements that he made? The answer is no, he didn't. And then in a follow up post on Thursday, Kelly wrote, "I'm relieved to see an act of terrorism was not committed at the U.S. border. Thank you to the law enforcement intelligence agencies for working 
Did he apologize? Did he say that, hey, I was wrong? I shouldn't have said that? No, he didn't say any of that stuff. Again, all these right-wingers out there spreading misinformation, again, like Claudia Tenney, New York Congresswoman posted on X that the shocking explosion on the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara County is heartbreaking reminder that weak border security puts us all at risk. This car accident had nothing to do with border security. None. Zero. She then later wrote that the uh, developments were still ongoing and there's a lot of false information on social media. Well, maybe you shouldn't support it, you dope. Maybe you shouldn't report on it. Maybe you shouldn't put it on your social media, you clown. You moron. Carrie Lake, speaking of morons, the former Arizona gubernatorial candidate who now running for U.S. Senate said that this may have been an attempted terror attack along our northern border. If so, our worst fears are being realized. Joe Biden is inviting this kind of chaos into the country. What kind of chaos is Carrie Lake talking about? A two-car crash? You're blaming the president of the United States for a two-car accident because that's a one-car crash. That's exactly what took place here. And then in a later post, Carrie Lake said, multiple outlets are walking back the initial reports of a terror attack. Well, guess what? You're one of them, you idiot. Maybe you should stop watching Fox News and Newsmax, you stupid dope. She never apologized. Carrie Lake never apologized. She blamed Joe Biden for this car accident. She never said that she was sorry because she's an idiot. That's why. Just like Donald Trump Jr., as I like to call him, Biff. In a post last week, Biff said, how bad will it have gotten into our, in our country before even Democrats decide it's probably not a great idea to import terrorists? Did Donald Trump Jr., also known as Biff, did he apologize? Did he say that he was wrong? Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't say he was wrong. None of these people on the far right are retracting what they said because they're salivating at the mouth And they're praying for an opportunity to attack Joe Biden. And when you hear that there's an explosion at the border, the first thing they think about is, oh, let's attack Joe Biden. It must have been terrorism. If you watch the Fox News coverage of what took place, and if you watch really um, all the coverage of what took place at that moment, it all leads to the same thing. This was a one-car accident, a one-car crash. Two people sadly died. We don't know why this car was speeding. We don't know why. But it is now in the hands of the local police department, and they are conducting a full investigation. These right-wingers out there, and many of these names that I just mentioned, many of them who are elected officials, continue to spread misinformation. It could be misinformation about COVID. It could be misinformation about a car crash. It could be misinformation about the 2020 election. Many of the people on the far right, as I like to call them, MAGA Republicans, spread misinformation in hopes that it'll appeal to their base and another opportunity to go after the Joe Biden administration and Democrats. When Donald Trump uses the term fake news, he's talking about his own people on the far right. Because almost every right-wing politician went on social media and spread misinformation about this car crash, because that's what it was with no explosives, car crash on the border. 
blatant misinformation. So I ask you why. I think that it's pretty clear that when you're an elected official, you need to be responsible. You need to wait for the facts to come out before you say that there was a terrorist attack. Not one of those people that I just mentioned that spread misinformation about this crash at the border, not one of them that claimed it was a terrorist attack and many of them blaming Joe Biden in the border, not one of them apologized. Not one of them said, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I shouldn't have put out that that information. Uh, this was a car crash. Thoughts and prayers to the people that were involved. This had nothing to do with the Joe Biden administration, had nothing to do with politics or policies. Not one Republican retracted. Not one Republican apologized. Not one Republican said, I was wrong. I shouldn't have put that out there. Why? Because I believe it's, 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 it's character or a lack thereof. First of all, if you have a large platform, and in this case, you're an elected official, stop jumping the gun and saying things that might not be true. And the CNN coverage, MSNBC coverage, you know, whether, you know, no matter whether you're left or right, most responsible reporters said, we don't know whether this is a terrorist attack or not. We don't know if there were explosives in the car. Here's what we do know. Two people are dead. Here's where it happened. The investigation is ongoing. And when we get more information, we'll share that with you. In fact, to the contrary, some reporters on CNN and some legal analysts on CNN were saying what I was saying. Doesn't make much sense. Why would this be a terrorist attack? The way it happened, the only people that died were the two people that were in the car. Something doesn't make sense, but we'll have to get more information. And when we get more information, we will share it with you. That's what responsible journalists did in covering this story. And I'm not a journalist. I'm a talk show host. But when I went on the air, I gave you the information that we had. And I also said, these are very bizarre circumstances, but let's wait and see until more facts come out. If Donald Trump was president, I wouldn't have gone on the air and I wouldn't have said, hey, let's blame Donald Trump for this. As much as I despise Donald Trump, I wouldn't have done that. Why are there so many conspiracy theorists on the right? Why? Why are there so many people on the far right that when we have a tragedy that takes place, it could be Nancy Pelosi's husband that is attacked with a hammer and and bludgeoned and almost killed? Why do we have so many people on the far right with the conspiracy theories? The first thing you should say is thoughts and prayers, even if it's somebody you don't like. But why is it all? It must have been a gay relationship. Why are they fascinated with being gay? Why are they fascinated with sex? That's what I want to know. Why are they obsessed with Hunter Biden's penis? I, I don't understand. The conspiracy theories ongoing. Elected officials that are conspiracy theorists. We need to demand more from members of the media, and we certainly need to demand more for our politicians, those that are elected officials. When something like this happens and you don't know all the information, then don't spout out your garbage on social media. Don't spout out your nonsense on social media. Number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation is 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, I'm asking you, why is it so many people on the far right immediately assumed and posted on social media and even did interviews blaming Joe Biden for what was a car accident at the border? There were no bombs or explosive devices. There was no evidence that it was a terrorist attack. 
what it appears and what the investigation is showing is it was a two-car crash where somebody was going at a very high rate of speed, don't know why, and tragically, two people lost their lives. Luckily, more people didn't lose their lives. Why? Why do people put out so much misinformation? Number to call, 702-221-7283. Now, I think our elected officials need to be held to account. If we have a crime that takes place, if we have a car accident, or if we have something that even you might think might be terrorism, you don't jump the gun. When the second plane hit the World Trade Center buildings, I think we all knew that it was an intentional act, right? There are times where it's okay before an investigation is, is, is conducted to assume that it's a terrorist attack, right? When somebody goes into a gay nightclub and kills a bunch of gay people, I think we all could agree it's a hate crime. There are times in society where we can say, okay, yeah, that's a hate crime. That's terrorism. And then there are other times, like when we have a one-car accident at the border and the car explodes, where we should all probably say to ourselves, let's wait and see until the investigation is thorough and if there were explosives in the car. There were not. There were no explosives in the car. This was not terrorism. It was a car accident. But if you listen to many Republicans out there, they'll lead you to believe that this car accident was Joe Biden's fault. It's the Biden administration's fault. I'm also happy to report that more innocent Israelis have been given back to their families in this Hamas-Israel ceasefire that has been continued. There are still many people that are captives that have been kidnapped. And there's no question that the Israeli president, Joe Biden, everybody involved needs to do everything that they can do to get those hostages freed and back to their families. It's a very sad, it's a very volatile situation. But again, I talk about those out there that are holding these pro-Palestinian rallies, um, I'm willing to listen to you so long as you call Hamas what they are, which is a terrorist group. If you call Hamas a terrorist group and then you want to talk about the way Israel's handling it, then I think that is a very, very fair conversation to have. But if you can't admit that what Hamas did in butchering innocent Israelis um, and you can't call them a terrorist group, then that's not a conversation that I want to have with you because it's not going to go anywhere. And I speak in very pragmatic terms in that Hamas is a terrorist group. We all know that. At least I would hope that we all know that. And if your position is ceasefire, 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 then what would you say to all the situations where there were ceasefires and Hamas broke those ceasefires? What would lead you to believe that Hamas is just going to stop doing what they're doing? Everybody in Hamas needs to be destroyed. We know that. I don't want innocent Palestinians to die either. I don't want innocent anybody to die. Uh, the terrorist groups in Hamas and those that enable Hamas, I don't feel sorry for you at all. But these heartwarming stories of these kids that are being brought and the wives and the kids that are being reunited with their families, it, it really is emotional. But there's plenty of more victims out there that need to be reunited with their families. And I support Joe Biden and I support those who are pro-Israel. 
Doesn't mean I agree with everything that Benjamin Netanyahu does. Doesn't mean I always agree with the Israeli government because I don't. But if we're going to talk about Muslims versus Israelis, there are over 50 countries on this planet where Muslims can practice their religion, can live free and do what they do. And if Israel wanted to get rid of all the Palestinian people and they wanted to commit genocide like like some out there would lead you to believe, then why is it that over 1.4 million Palestinians live in Israel? Israel doesn't seem to have a problem with that. They don't want terrorists living in their, in, in the state of Israel, which I understand. But why is that? If you think that Israel is committing genocide, why is it that they've allowed over 1.4 million Palestinians to live in the state of Israel? Because they're not committing genocide. They want to live in peace. They have a right to defend themselves. And yes, this is where I have some very harsh criticisms for some on the left including Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. And now we're learning that Tlaib's campaign was partially funded by those who support Hamas. Rashida Tlaib should not be in office. She's a despicable human being. Same thing with Ilhan Omar and Bush. These are despicable people that are anti-Semitic, and they claim they're not anti-Semitic. How many times have you heard Rashida Tlaib call out Hamas? Have you ever heard her say Hamas is a terrorist organization? Not once. Because I believe Tlaib probably endorses what Hamas has done. Because I can only go by her behavior and the things she said and the things she hasn't said. To this day, she has yet to say unequivocally that Hamas is a terrorist group. Unequivocally, what Hamas did was awful. She has never been on the record as making that statement. So I could only assume that Tlaib is an anti-Semitic piece of human garbage. If those on the far left don't want to be labeled an anti-Semitic group, then call out Hamas for what they are, a terrorist organization. Hakeem Jeffries needs to stand up at the podium and call out those on the far left in his own party that refuse to denounce what Hamas did. And until he does that, I'm going to continue to criticize him for it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Chris Wynn's going to be joining us in studio. We're going to talk a little Raiders football. We're going to talk about two bowl games in Las Vegas this weekend. The Pac-12, which will be on Friday. The Mountain West Championship game. Not bowl games. Championship games, which will be on Saturday. Bowl season right around the corner. The NBA midseason tournament is next week in Las Vegas. That's going to be a lot of fun also. We got a lot of sports to get to, and then uh, we'll talk a little Raiders football at the bottom of the hour. Scott Gully Galbrinson from the Silver and Black Today podcast will be joining us. Uh, looked pretty promising when the Raiders were up 14 0, but didn't end very well for them. Uh, so we'll get to that coming up in hour number two. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn, that true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? when you can be a hero. 
Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Programming note, we got Evan Stone coming in studio tomorrow. Very famous porn star now running for Senate. So that should be a very interesting uh, conversation. Former presidential candidate Andrew Yang is going to be joining us on the show Wednesday. So that's going to be a lot of fun. More surprise guests coming up later in the week. So uh, look forward to that. I want to tell you guys about my good friend Blake Wynn over at the Keller Williams Group. Listen, man, if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, there's no better person to talk to. Why? First of all, his late great uh, grandfather, Kenny Gwynn, the former governor here, the entire family, they grew up here. Blake's lived here his entire life. If you're going to buy or sell a home, you want someone that knows Las Vegas inside and out. Blake is that guy. And to give you a little extra incentive, if you mention the name of this show, you're going to get $1,000 cash back. So please give Blake Gwynn a call at the Keller Williams Group if you're even thinking of buying or selling a home. He helped out my family, and I promise you he'll help yours. 702-540-3311. Again, that number, 702-540-3311. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday. And that means it's time for a little bit of C-Win uh, action in studio. Chris Wynn joining us, who does about 12 other shows, by the way, in Las Vegas, proudly wearing his Framingham State University sweatshirt where he played some college Division three football. Right, Chris? Do I have that correct? Well, I actually went to college there, too. Just didn't play Oh, football. you did? Okay. Yeah. But uh, yes, uh, it's great to be with you, Brian. Of course, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I will be uh, hosting a lot this week, by the way. I'll be hosting over on uh, Down the Dial tomorrow night. But... Uh, all kinds of action going on, right, my friend? This weekend was no different than pretty much every other weekend. It's just crazy, man. Yeah. And uh, you kind of unloaded it here at uh, the bottom of the first hour there of, of everything that's going on and uh, everything yep. that kind of transpired over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to dive right into it. I'm sure uh, it's going to be great to have Gully on to get some discussion sure. going about all things silver and black. And uh, great times if you're talking about uh, UNLV sports right now when it comes to, yes. the, when it comes to the gridiron. Uh, just a rather extraordinary, we're going to dive into it, but mm-hmm. a rather extraordinary yeah. kind of one year turnaround mm-hmm. that has taken place here. Uh, that is yeah. in the all time annals yes. of college football. And I'm not exaggerating yep. when I say that. So Chris, let's start with UNLV football. Uh, yeah. before we get to, and yes, they, they have the championship game here in Vegas. We're going to get to that. I have some right. conspiracy theories about that, by <laughs> the way, that I'll share with you, but let's talk about the game first. The game, yeah. of course, against San Jose State. Listen, San Jose State's a mm-hmm. good football team. They're also a bowl, bowl team. Uh, now they've won seven games. 
Um, I was at the game. Uh, we were all asking where Chris Wynn was because he wasn't yeah. there. Uh, I, I heard a rumor There's, that you were sleeping. I don't know if that's true or not. Possibility. Uh, okay. Yeah. But anyway. Um, it's San so Jose, long ago, I can't remember. San Jose State's a, a good football team. I think we all could agree on that. They're a good football no team. They're a fair yeah. ball team. They, they beat San Diego State. They beat Fresno. They're on, I think, a five-game winning streak. I think now six. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a good team. And I know that UNLV did not take them lightly. However, when you're playing a good football team in San Jose State – and you go down early and you give up a touchdown on San Jose State's first drive. And then you fumble the football on the return and you just put yourself in a hole like that. If you're playing a bad football team, like if you're playing Nevada Reno, okay, don't panic, but you're playing San Jose State really difficult to get out of that, uh, that bind that they put themselves in. And I felt like that was the story of the game. The story of the game was the start. Right. right. The rest of the football game was pretty evenly matched football game and UNLV probably would have squeaked it out. But the way they started that game, I, I thought that was that was the story of the football game. Yeah. Well, look, we talked all season long about uh, how uh, incredible it's been that they've been able to kind of circle the wagons. Right. From an offensive standpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, obviously talking about Jade Maeva and, uh, you know, R- Ricky White has had an ex- extraordinary uh, season. He should be he should be a Blitnikoff award. Uh, recipient, in my opinion, sure. he's definitely top three in the country, and we'll see how that all shakes out. But to me, what it came down to in this game against the Spartans uh, of San Jose State, it came down to the defense. The defense just didn't play well yeah. enough to win the football game. I mean, you can't give up that many points to a team in the Mountain West. Look, I get it. San Jose State, they're sitting at six and two, just al- along with UNLV, as well as, uh, you know, uh, as well as Boise State at the top of the Mountain West, we get they're a good football team. But uh, when you're in that situation, when you when you understand the stakes that are involved in that game on Saturday, and then you end up uh, going out there and giving up thirty plus points to San Jose State, you just don't deserve to win the football game. So uh, I mean, that's kind of my assessment in a nutshell of what went down in this game. Now, look, uh, they still fully expect them to be uh, uh, you know a formidable opponent coming up this weekend. In the championship game, but uh, that's not a great way to end the regular season, I think, for UNLV. That being said, uh, they did put up 31 points in the game, you know, offensively. So uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of changes you need to make from an offensive standpoint coming up this weekend. But defensively, they're going to have to play a lot better if they're going to win yeah. the Mountain West Championship and uh, and be able to be have a projection for even a better bowl game coming up yeah. in December. I mean, listen, teams are going to have some some poor games, and I agree with you. The defense was not, you know, UNLV. If you ask me. While their offense has been great and the play calling has been fantastic, um, I still think their identity is they're a physical football team. They're they're an Odom coach, Odom physical, defensive minded football team. Um, and uh, San Jose State is a much improved team. Uh, start of the year, I don't think anybody assumed that they would be where they're at now. And um, so, listen, UNLV gets a tough loss, and I love what Coach Odom said after the game. He said, "Listen." Uh, we had, we, we had the opportunity to put matters in our own hands and now we got to worry about where we're playing and where we're going to be. He's right. UNLV lucked out a little bit. You have to give them credit because I think whether the game was going to be in Las Vegas or not, they were going to be in the conference championship game no matter what because of, uh, you know, their schedule and who they beat. Well, let's get into this. Um, okay. Cause this is a, yeah. it's an important distinction so me, to make. So look, all three teams are six and two, right? You have all three teams within seven points of point differential, right? So, which is a, which is another usually major factor when it comes to making, uh, distinguishing between three teams. If you have a situation where you have a three team log jam at the top of the conference, right? So you said, you said something about maybe a possible quote unquote conspiracy theories. I'll just put it out as laid out there like this. This is my take on it. All right. 
You saw three teams all within that point differential. Everybody has the same record. Uh, we don't need to analyze each team's losses on the year. I mean, I, I because uh, it, to me, all three teams, as far as their two losses in the conference, are pretty much negotiable as far as all three of those. I think there was some kind of something funky that went down. So something in the water okay, so Chris, when it came to the res- discussion. Yeah. Because you've got a team that plays here in Vegas. You have UNLV. Who's, it's been years so since they've been a factor. Years since they... Let me finish my point and then you can you go. So... It's been years since that that the UNLV has even been in the picture, Brian Shapiro and PTL Nation out there. So I kind of get it. I understand why it shook out like this and why UNLV would be one of the. Uh, it's, it's a game of Brian. It's a game of musical chairs when it comes to all things. Uh, you know, three teams at the top of this conference. Okay, that's exactly what happened. There's two chairs left. Three teams left. Boom. One of them happens to be UNLV who plays here. Uh, at Allegiant Stadium every single every single Saturday or Friday, and so that's the situation that panned out. And it looks to me like uh, the Mountain West kind of tweaked things a little bit, where it worked out that way for the Rebels. Yeah. So look, I think it's uh, uh, if they're going to talk about Mountain West, is going to talk about their computers. Um, yeah. Yes, I do. I'm not being biased, but I'm I'm being yeah. I do think UNLV deserves to be in the championship game, and and obviously Air Force was out because they lost another game, so that's not even in the equation. It was between Boise State and San Jose State, um, and uh, I don't have a problem with them choosing Boise State. Uh, selfishly, I'm happy that I get to watch the championship game here in Vegas. But let's be honest here. You can talk all you want until the cows come home about the computers. Uh, they did not yeah. want to go to Boise. Okay, People in the Mountain West, uh, in my personal opinion, they wanted to come to Las Vegas to Allegiant Stadium. The Wait, no, 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 no. You're, 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 you don't understand. The game was here no matter what, Brian. The game's here no matter what. It's always, it's always in Vegas. The Mountain West Championship game's always here. So you're kind of misunderstanding how it works out. Not true. But the Mountain West game's always here. No, it's you, always Chris, here you don't know what in you're town. Talking. No, you're wrong. But, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. The Mountain West Championship game is always in Las Vegas. No, it's okay. not. No, it's not. Okay, so here's and, my, Okay, for the last 10 years, so it hasn't been in Vegas? Here's, okay, so here's what we're going to do, because this is a first. Because Chris, Chris right, is... I'm going to go look Chris it up right now. Chris is always right, but... I thought I was, no, I could, no. Hey, I, I'll admit right now I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, if it has, it's not, it hasn't so, been in Vegas every single so year for the last like, decade. Numchuck, what I want the you to... The Mountain West Championship game? What I want you to do, Numchuck... Uh, yeah. Well, I know he's wrong, but what I want you to do, Numchuck is I want you, I'm going to have you cue up some music, and for the first time in PTL history, Chris is going to admit live on the air that he's Wait, made I a just, mistake I just, did, I just already said that if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm no, wrong. We, no, don't have to, well, we don't have to draw this out and be well, dramatic there, about there's it. There's no if. Okay, so if, there's yeah. no so, if. Wait a minute. We, no we haven't, wait, time You're out. wrong. Time out. <laughs> you and I have been covering these, the, uh, the, the Mountain West for the last, I've covered it for the last 12 years. It hasn't been here every single, the Mountain no. West championship game. No. They played it at. No. At other sites, you in, are wrong. In you the Mountain are. West, other so than Vegas. so Numchuck, can you please explain to Chris Wynn what the situation? Yeah, show show me locations. Yeah, Just yeah. it's very it's simple can thing you, to do. You, Go look at the locations yeah. for the Mountain yes, West Championship please. game for the last ten years. Yeah. Go ahead. This year, UNLV. Last year, Boise State. It was in Boise on the blue turf. Yep. Okay. Twenty twenty or uh, twenty one. Uh, Carson, California, San Diego State. Uh, twenty twenty, UNLV. We get the picture. Yeah. We get the picture. Wait, okay, 2020, why was it in UNLV? Yeah, we get the picture. But yeah. no, but why would, no, we get the picture. Why was it, why were they playing there in Vegas have, in 2020? There have been a few games that they've decided to go on neutral fields, but not every year is the game played in Las Vegas. And the computer. Okay, okay but, so I was wrong. I was wrong. No, I was wrong. Hold on, right. hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. Yes, I was wrong. Can you say Boom. that? Boom. I was wrong. I was wrong. I'll say it for like the you're, sixth time. I was wrong. wrong. You're wrong. All right. About what? They what? played in 2020 here. 
Uh, so I conflated. I conflated what all were the years you wrong together. About? Yes, I thought they played here every year. What were you wrong about? You know what? You know what? You know what I was confusing <laughs> with? I'm confusing with the Mountain West tournament, the basketball tournament. Obviously, they play here every uh, year. By the way, they should play the game here every year. The game should be played here in Vegas every year. Hey, let's listen, uh, let's not get it twisted, okay? Listen, I, this is a rarity. I mean, you're, you're a, it is a rarity. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you, Brian. See, you're correct. It is a rarity that I'm wrong when it comes to sports. <laughs> when we're having discussions between me and you. By usually, the way, you're the one that's wrong. Can I ask you a? That's not so, true. Yeah, that's yeah not usually, true. usually. Can you I are. ask you? Can I? Where were you for the last week? You didn't go to yeah. any of these games. So I, so I have this thing. I have this thing that I have a real job during the, during the week. I just don't host a show like you know oh. a couple hours a day. So uh, so radio is not week, a real so, job. Yeah. Well, you well you know what I'm saying though. That's I have I have a different job. I don't actually. That is not radio. So I just oh, do. I mean, I I do this. I'm, I'm here. Are you saying you're, that's very insulting? Are you saying radio is not a real job? Okay, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. I said that I don't Some work in us, radio. Oh. I don't have like oh, okay. a full time radio gig. Gotcha. All right, anymore. All right, so, I I, that's not my thing. So you were working. I thought so you I was were off. A, I thought you were off on Friday. Am I wrong? Friday, I was. I was off Friday. Oh, okay. we, What's some, your excuse? I had. There? Uh, I don't know. We had something going on. <laughs> I can't remember. We're okay. No problem. So, I understand. All right. So I was wrong. So I. So apparently, uh, it doesn't play. Don't play here every year. Let's go with this. So they played it here in 2020 for some reason. How even dare though you? N- neither one of the teams is from Vegas, and they played the game just like uh, me. So, so I'm kind. I'm actually kind of right, but no, mostly wrong. wrong. No, but I'm wrong. mostly wrong. The reason why but I'm kind of right because they played a game in 2020 no, because the here. computer rankings and it goes okay, to so, my conspiracy theory of the reason why okay, they're so playing what? this game in Las Vegas. They didn't want to play in Boise. They didn't want to play it in Boise. They wanted to come to Vegas in a beautiful stadium in Las Vegas. That's what I think happened, and I don't think that had anything to do with well, that, that computer rankings yeah. at all. I do have one more question for you. Though, Boise is a great town, by the way, though. I think you're kind of um, you're kind of downplaying. I'm sure Boise it's okay, but I'd rather be. And here. by the way, they played it last year, right, in Boise. So it's not like it's, it's not like something that's cr- out of the ordinary. You are correct that they would that they would not want to play there. That's why. Okay, so here's so, why I'm very disappointed in you, Chris. I don't know why you're disappointed. I'm I, very I, dis- I'm my tell younger you brother is disappointed in me. Yes, I'm Chuck. Definitely not. I'm definitely yes. not your younger, younger brother. brother. Younger brother. No, definitely okay, so, not. Definitely not. Okay. So, um, so I was wrong. Yes, I was I, wrong. It was not here every every year. In yeah, Vegas. We've established. That. Yeah, we have like I'm, seven I, times. I'm trying to move on now from that. Well, you are. No wait. What were you wrong about? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right. The game being here every time. You've been covering UNLV football just Since, as long uh, as I have. Since 2020. Right. Or 2012. 2020. Yeah. No, 2012. Uh, I, covered 2012. It. I covered it way before 2012. I've been yeah. here 20 years. But anyway, you've been covering yeah. UNLV football for a long time. Yes. I am very disappointed in you that somehow you couldn't make your way to Allegiant Stadium to watch the final game of the year and support your football team. Well, there's, there's, there was other priorities that took precedent. Over that situation. Can you That's share right. with the listeners? Not really, no, because it's not really, no, right. nobody really cares, Brian. Did Brian, you have a date? Nobody Did you have cares. a date? Were you out nobody late cares. Friday I, night? I was what happened? definitely out late. Like, I think every night. Because I was either working and then going after that, but. Did you get laid? They don't care. These people, PTL, you care about my about my life? No, I care. They don't care. Did you get laid so, at least? It's something. Okay, so the, this is where he, no, Chuck, so this is where num, Brian Shapiro gets into the weird territory where he's like a strange bird, <laughs> where he's not really normal. Where he starts asking, you know, questions that are <laughs> strange for a forty-three-year-old okay. man to be asking that a fifty-three-year-old no. man. It's just weird. <laughs> right. Okay, so, so I I'll just I'll no. just redirect it and I'll try to Fine. get you back on track. Fine. here. let's get back on track. We'll get back on. We'll track. talk sports. I'm just going to okay, make so an assumption. Hold on, nobody just, really cares. I know. About I'm just going to make an assumption that yeah. you were out playing caveman keynote. I was probably doing that. Okay. At least one fair of assumption. Probably was. Okay, fair assumption. Yeah. Um, so anyway, now that we've established that we have gambling here. Now, now that we've established that the UNLV. <laughs> uh, the Mountain West Conference game was not an automatic okay. here in Las Vegas. Uh, okay, we've we've proven that you so that so now your conspiracy theory makes a, makes some sense. Thank you. That it was what I was trying to get some to. Sense. That's what I was trying to get yes. to. Yes. The only reason it was played in 2020 in Vegas was because of COVID. Yeah. They played in Sam Boyd with zero attendance. Right. 
By the way, yes, yeah. the reason why uh, our good friend, Jim Gemma, who does yes. a great job with the Aviators, who's a loyal listener, just texted me, and, he, and he's right. He said the Mountain West Conference Championship game was in Las Vegas in 2020 because of COVID restrictions. Uh, they played it at Sam Boyd Stadium in an empty stadium, and no fans were allowed. Yeah. So, yes, that just reemphasized. He, he just repeated what, what Numjug just yes. said, but that's yeah. fine. Thank you. Yeah, that's just exactly wanted, that was, what that I was, just It was very important that you reiterate what to read, just said. I wanted to read Jim Gemma's, <laughs> I wanted to read Jim Gemma's text. Okay, that's yeah. why I did that. But, yes, Numchuk is 150% correct. <laughs> So uh, interesting. So I was wrong. I'll read it. That's number eight, I think, right? Yeah. Eight or nine. Very rare. Maybe. Yeah, I was Very wrong. Very rare. I was wrong. It's not here. Um, it's not every, well, every, every let's year. see if you're wrong about this. Uh, what do you think the spread is in the game? Uh, right now, I think I want to say uh, Boise State is a minus three yes, favorite. Right. Yeah, they're a two-point that. favorite. It's around that number. Does that right. surprise you at all? Not at all. No. Why? Uh, because I think Boise State, uh, has, it's been uh, clearly evident all season long. This is a team that, uh, regardless of their opponent, uh, is not afraid to uh, light up the scoreboard. So I think from an offensive standpoint, Boise is going to give everything that UNLV's defense can handle. And so I think it's going to be an exciting game, without a doubt. But I understand why they're a three-point favorite in this game, uh, given if you look back at – if you look if you want to take – you want to play the schedule game and kind of look back at the schedule and 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 uh, the, the quality of opponents and what they've been able to do from an offensive standpoint, I think it's going to be uh, – it's, it'll be a good thing for Boise State. Well, you can't. You better get off to a better start than you than you got off against San Jose State on Saturday. Because if that happens, right. uh, they're they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, I have no doubt that Odom's going to have his team ready to play. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to bounce back. And I think it's going to be a really good football game. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. I think it's going to be a really good football game. And then uh, that game, by the way, is Saturday at noon. So if you mm-hmm. can get out there, I don't know, will you be making it? What are the odds? No, I'll be definitely going to that game. All right, I'll be so definitely hit Friday, it. It's the Mount West Championship game. So, so Friday there. night we have the Pac-12 Championship game. So it's it it. it, it you want to talk about a lot of excitement. You've got two bowl, well, not two bowl games, but two championship games mm-hmm. back to back in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, I, I mean, this is, this is exciting stuff if you're a college football fan. By the way, tickets to the Boise State UNLV game start at $20, C-Win. $20. Yeah, it makes sense. Hey, you want to talk about that Friday game, Brian? You're talking about two top six teams in the country yeah. in Oregon and Washington. Really good. Who already team. had a, had a, you know, a quality matchup early around this season. And the Ducks are going to look to kind of avenge them, you know, avenge right. that loss mm-hmm. there. And, uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun to check out that, that, that game as well, too, on Friday. Yeah. Here in Vegas. But, uh, yeah, you, it, it's understandable, right? Why, uh, those tickets would be going for around or for around a twenty spot, right? For the Mountain West Championship game, the intent is let's get as many people in the building as we can, right? right? We understand Caleb Herring sixty thousand for, for the UNLV games that I did attend this year, right, Brian? Which is most of them. Yeah. Uh, it has been a struggle, right, to get fans out there. Apparently, and uh, you were at the game on Saturday, right? The UNLV game. So, talk to me. Was there really 25,000 fans there? No, because that's no. been the report no. that there was about 25,000 plus no. that were in the building for that tilt no. against San Jose State. Absolutely not. Uh, not, not, uh, I mean, uh, deserved, deserved a better crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom line, Chris, is that, you know, a guy like, again, I'm just going to bring him up. Caleb Herring says, let's get 60,000 people in there when they don't even open up the upper bowl is, is, is some of the, some of the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. Uh, they don't even open up the upper bowl, number one. Number two, the, the fan support has not been as good as it should be. Now, listen, you and I both know that the UNLV basketball team, I like Kevin Kruger. I'm rooting mm-hmm. for him. It's not, you know, it's not a personal thing. Product's just not very good, but I love college basketball. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go cover the team and I love going to games. I enjoy it. Yeah. And I like Kevin. 
But I understand if people don't want to spend their hard-earned money to go to UNLV basketball games. I get that. I don't understand the students. We agree on that. The students should be there. Um, but I understand why the lower bowl is not full for UNLV basketball. It was full when they were winning. I don't understand UNLV football fans not showing up. Now, there were some fans that showed up, but it wasn't 25,000. There is no excuse this year. They are a good football team. We all agree on that. It is a good college football product. We all agree on that. And they are having a historic season. The fact that they couldn't even sell out, not even close, by the way. I don't care what anybody says. Okay, my eyes don't lie to me, Chris, right? The lower ball wasn't even close to being sold out. That is inexcusable. And I will defend UNLV on this because the product is good and it's a joke. Odom and these kids, they deserve the support. And for the people that are not, and it was a holiday weekend, give me a break. Show up to the game. That, it really pisses me off. I don't understand these fans, right? I get it. You've got a lot of other choices. There's a lot of traffic. Yada, yada, yada. This game was in the middle of the day on a Saturday afternoon on a holiday weekend. Get your ass out of bed. I'm talking to you too, Chris. Yeah. And, right. and, and, no, but, <laughs> but I'm serious. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, I get your point. I'm being serious, yeah. though. Do you agree with me? It's not- no, I get your point. So let me, let, me, let me give you a little bit different perspective on this, right? Okay. Because, and I'll address it both from a basketball and football standpoint. Yes. All right. So you talked about basketball, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you, I, we have gone back and forth, you and I, about this, and you and I, and all of our media colleagues talking about the situation when it comes to attendance and UNLV. I find it absolutely, completely, utterly ridiculous. That the UNLV running Rebel basketball team cannot get 12,000 every single game. I don't give a damn if you're playing against the Akron Zips tomorrow night, right? On a Tuesday night during the week. It's UNLV basketball. Yeah. There should be 12,000 fans there. The school has, what, 24,000, 25,000 students there yeah. that, that go to that school? Yeah, some of them are commuters. Who cares? I don't give a damn, all right? Yeah, you have you have a base in the city that has over two million people now in the in the metropolitan area. You should be able to get twelve thousand fans to every single UNLV basketball game. I'm already getting upset here. All right, <laughs> talk about this. It's ridiculous to me. It is beyond absurd to me that UNLV running Rebel basketball does not get twelve thousand plus. They should absolutely fill the lower okay. bowl. And and look, they and every game we go to, even if it's against a bad team, they still have people sprinkled throughout the upper deck in UNLV basketball games. Right. right? And the, the people could still come down because there's no, there's a bunch of empty seats in the lower bowl, but that's neither here nor there. When it comes to UNLV football, let's direct, address the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is this. This, there is a certain, uh, social, social and sports landscape in Vegas that doesn't lend well to UNLV football drawing, period. I'm sorry, but your idea of what you said, and I agree with it in spirit of, you know what? Get your asses out of bed. This team is, 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 is unbelievable this year. They're super, they're, they're great this year. They're, they're the best team, if not one of the best teams in the Mountain West. Get your ass out to games. Brian, people in Vegas don't think like that. There's a lot of people in Vegas that don't give a damn about UNLV football. Look, I understand that that may upset some of the alums that listen to the show or whatever, or people that are in Vegas, but there's just a lot of people in Vegas that don't care about UNLV football. Yeah. They just don't. It's way down on the sports totem pole, especially now in Vegas, right, with the Golden Knights and the Raiders here and, you know, uh, the Aces. Not to say the Aces are, beating, are taking their fans away. I'm trying to make a point, though, as far as, like, game day. They just, it's, it, it's a struggle, right? I mean, they've been, they've been great all year, and it's not like they've been able to get uh, you know, 30, 40,000 fans out to a UNLV football game. It's just not going to happen. So I'm more in the camp of I, I completely d- don't understand why the basketball program, regardless of how good they are, I don't care if they're, they're the worst team in the Mountain West. 
You, they, they, they have a history here. You've got a freaking national championship, okay, at a Division One school here. I've talked about this with you. You went to Central Connecticut State, okay, a Division One school, right? I'd expect. I don't. I don't I've never been to your gym. I've never been to your school. You're not. But I would much. expect that there's probably, you know, if if you're especially if your team is decent, yeah, there'd probably be a full gym there, right? You probably would have. A packed gym for for when your games. There, when I went all right, there, when I, I went played there. at a Division three school. I played at a Division three school. Our basketball team was solid. We had three four thousand fans at every single game. Yeah. Why am I Why am I talking about this? Because it was there was a climate at my college and probably at your college and at almost every college, especially in the Northeast, you know, or or even you know, at schools like North Carolina, Duke. I mean. The idea that there would be empty seats in some of, in some of these schools is absolutely redonkulous. It would never happen. So I just don't, I can't comprehend. I can't wrap, I can use all the descriptions you want. I can't wrap my head around why UNLV does not get fans to their games when it comes to the basketball program. Yeah. It's basketball. It's college basketball. Yeah. yeah, they suck sometimes, but it's, I just don't get it. So I, to wrap this up, I guess what I'm saying is I'm more perplexed at the basketball attendance situation yeah. than I am with the UNLV well, football I, I, The only part I would situation. disagree with you a little bit before we go to break here is that yeah. the UNLV basketball product right now is not really good. Uh, when the product is decent and it's good and UNLV is competing for a Mountain West Conference title, then I wholeheartedly agree with you. Now, that's not an excuse for the, for the students. Right. The students should be there. The students are not there. So I agree with you when it comes to the students. When it comes to, you know, your regular fan that's paying hard-earned money to go, uh, UNLV has not been a really good basketball product for a while now. And uh, when they are, then I will agree with you. But there's no excuse for the students. Well, let's, just play, let's run the numbers, Brian, real quick. I'll be real quick with you, right? There's 24,000 students at the school. 24,000, you know, give or take, whatever. Okay, so you get you get 10,000 of those. 10,000 students, you know what I mean, showing up to these games. Yes. Or, you call me crazy, five or 6,000 of them every single game. It makes a monstrous difference well, for the does. attendance. It certainly And they're does. not getting anywhere and by the way, close to that. And, and by you the know? way, when you, look at other, when you look at yeah. these other Mountain West Conference gymnasiums, uh, the students come out. And for UNLV, yeah. they don't. And there's no excuse for that. All right, here's what we're going to do. He's Chris Wynn. I'm Brian Shapiro. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Raiders football. Uh, Scott Gully Gulbertson, Silver and Black Today podcast, going to be joining us. Uh, Raiders got off to a great start, but uh, it was uh, smooth sailing for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, starting in the second quarter. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Who's to blame for it? What happened? We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it.
Shopping is always easy with the Radio Shopping Show. Whether it's shopping during any one of our live shows right here on AM 1400 or listening live on the KSHP app, you can always call in at 702-221-7283 to pick up great deals with your favorite host. Or shop 24-7 at KSHP.com. Go to KSHP.com and select Shopper's Guide to browse hundreds of businesses featured on the show. Place your order online and we'll have it shipped right to your front door. With so many possibilities, it's hard not to shop. The Klondike Casino is a friendly local spot that features their signature restaurant, the Klondike Grill, serving up fresh food fast. Open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner just off the 95 Freeway on Sunset Road in Henderson. You will find the Klondike Casino featuring all your favorite games from the It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Is your dog suffering from a sensitive stomach? Hi, it's Kelly the Cookie Lady from Mooch's Munchies. Our dogs had super sensitive tummies and I needed to find a low-fat treat that wouldn't give them gas or other issues. Most of the treats on the market were loaded with fillers, chemicals, and chicken fat. Many of them weren't even food. Well, I knew I could do better, so I developed Mooch's Munchies, and I'm happy to be able to share them with you. Stop by our store or our website, moochesmunchies.com, and find out why we say that Mooch's Munchies are totally possum. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. Chris Wynn in the house. And uh, we were just talking a little UNLV football and uh, the championship game in Vegas, which is going to be a lot of fun on Saturday. Something that wasn't a lot of fun for Raider fans was watching the last three quarters of that game yesterday. Um, the Raiders get off to a uh, – you couldn't ask for a better start, right? 14-0 it would have been nice if they were able to get up 17-0. Uh, but you you, get, you put yourself in a position when you're up 14 to nothing. Uh, it doesn't matter what team you're playing against and you're at home. Uh, you put yourself in a position where you have a really good chance of winning that football game. And they just weren't able to put their uh, uh, pedal to the metal, so to speak, and put them away. And uh, let's be honest, the Kansas City Chiefs are 
a championship football team. Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach. Pat Mahomes, we're watching greatness with this team. This is greatness. The Raiders aren't close to that. Um, with that being said, the Raiders put themselves in a position to win a football game in the final three quarters. It was all Kansas City. And uh, who do you blame for that? What took place? I know that there were some questionable there was some questionable play calling. And you look at the face of Mark Davis, particularly on a fourth and three play call, and Mark Davis was not happy, and neither was anybody else. I think that Pierce showed his inexperience at times in that game yesterday. And you're also across the field from a Hall of Fame coach and Andy Reid. Understandable. Uh, I'm not going to blast Pierce. With that being said, uh, joining us right now on the line to talk a little bit about this, Chris, is the co-creator of the Silver and Black Today podcast. Always love having him on. Of course, I'm talking about Scott Gully Gulbertson. Scott, always good to see you, my friend. How are you? Good to see you guys. Glad to be back here and uh, and and ready to talk. I mean, listen, you're right. Started out so great, didn't finish well, but it provided a reality check for where the Raiders are and what they need to do to be at the level because Kansas City is the benchmark in the division. You mentioned they are in the NFL too. And so at least Raider fans, Raider Nation can look at that and say, okay, this is what we need to do to get to that level. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a really good point there, Gully. Uh, with that being said, I felt, you know, when you're up 14-0, you find a way to go up 17-0 or you find a way to go up 21 to nothing. And then if the Chiefs come back and win, you put your hands in here and say, hey, there's really not much we could do about that. We, But I felt like they they really missed an opportunity there. And I don't know if they would have won the football game if they go up 17-0 or 21-0. But, boy, you're making it a lot more difficult on the Chiefs. I just felt like they weren't able to put the pedal to the metal and put this team away early. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I think, listen, when you get a team like Kansas City down and they come out flat like that, you cannot let up on the gas. You have to go full bore and and stay aggressive. And we saw it. You mentioned it at the top of this segment where the Raiders came out and, boy, they looked sharp. Aiden O'Connell looked great. I mean, he was only he had a perfect passer rating, yeah. I think, through the first quarter. And he had the top passer rating, by the way, in the NFL this week. Uh, and they still couldn't win. And I think that does come back to – the inexperience. Look, yeah, you don't have to hammer Antonio Pierce. And of mm-hmm. course, Bo Hart agreed, the offensive coordinator. He's also interim, never called plays before in his life. And it showed because they came out, they clearly, clearly did a great job of game planning because they came out on fire. They did exactly what I thought they should do, which is run the ball with Josh Jacobs. And he did well. He had a nice 63 yard touchdown run, all of that. They also had a route structure for Aiden O'Connell to where he could throw shorter passes. They also used Jacobs out of the backfield, which was great. A lot of us have been saying, why aren't you doing that more? Why aren't you doing it more? They did it, but then all of a sudden, it's, yeah, what happened midway through the second quarter where it seemed to all go south and they seemed to be much more conservative? It reminded me of Josh McDaniels, right? And and that's not to compare Josh McDaniels to Antonio hmm. Pierce, but what it is, it's the same staff. And from whatever happened between the, that, that third possession and, and the fourth possession, it just completely sucked the air out of the room and you saw what happened. Then you add in the Raiders defense. Uh, the Chiefs started slow, but when they started to come along, guess what happened? You realize that they don't have what I always reference and actually coach Pierce used it today too, which is you don't have all the Jimmies and the Joes that you need at all levels. This is a, a Chiefs team. A lot of Raider Nation was telling me, oh, they're not that good this year. Okay, they're a top five defense and a top 10 offense. That's damn good. And so you have to recognize that. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, love him, hate him, whatever, uh, the guy is a transcendent quarterback. And as long as he's in the game and healthy, there's always a chance that he's, he just sparks up 
and does what he does against the Raiders. And and as a result, you get a 31 to 17 game. You talked about the Jimmys and the Joes, right, Gully? Uh, on the defensive side of the football, we know who we're talking about here in Vegas with those guys. We're talking about the likes, obviously, of Max Crosby. And uh, I got to get your take on uh, how he was able to kind of power through, right, uh, what he was dealing with in this football game. And then, of course, uh, you already kind of addressed it here at the top, and that's the secondary, right? And uh, obviously, I'm pretty sure you're, you know what direction I'm going to go here. Uh, Marcus Peters, right, brought in to be kind of an anchor uh, from this team, from a defensive standpoint, in this secondary. And it didn't matter if you uh, follow the Raiders on a daily, hourly basis, Gully, or, you know, just started following them in the second half of this game, Shapiro and, and Scott Gulberson. Uh, that was kind of the talk all over social media about his uh, Marcus Peters' demeanor, kind of how things shook out, obviously, with him getting benched. And then, of course, uh, uh, after the game, uh, another defensive back had some comments I'm going to get to first. But first, uh, Gully, got to get your take when it comes to all things Marcus Peters and, of course, how Max Crosby was able to perform there in the second half. Yeah, so, I mean, starting with Marcus Peters, clearly they released him today, so uh, that tells you everything you need to know. And I don't think it's a surprise going all the way back to the Chicago game mm-hmm. where you saw a lackluster effort. Look, you understand that he wasn't the same player coming in that he was in his in his prime. That's okay. You get that. You're hoping for contribution. You're hoping for a veteran leader. And instead, what you got is a guy who you could see on many, many downs didn't put much effort in. And you saw it yesterday with a really bad half-assed arm tackle, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Antonio Pierce, to his credit, had seen enough and said, you know what? They had an altercation of some sort or a discussion. I shouldn't say altercation. A discussion on the sideline. And so you could kind of sense that was going. And then Vic Tafer over at The Athletic reported last night that they were probably going to release him. And sure enough, it came quickly. Uh, they also signed Jack Jones last week from the Patriots who had his own issues, uh, but, but they had somebody there. And that's the problem. You don't have depth there. The Raiders have a real problem at cornerback. Nate Hobbs, the young guy, is doing well in the slot. Do you move him outside? Amik Robertson is a great role player, but he's not – uh, a number one cornerback. And so you saw that. Remember how bad we heard the Chiefs receiving core was? And then you see Rashid Rice go out and, and, and gain over a hundred yards, uh, and have, and just run all over the field. So I think that the Raiders, uh, have that issue. They need more than one or two guys. And then you talk about Max Crosby. I mean, look, what can you say about Max Crosby that hasn't been said already? But how much, how much, what, what how much did he have in the tank yesterday? Yeah, he was, I don't hurt. know. Was he, was he 60, 70 percent? I'm not sure, but it shows you what they need to do to that defensive front as well, because yeah. Max Crosby at 60 or 70 percent was still better than anybody on the field. Uh, and that tells you that they need depth. They need help up front. And yep. they're not getting it from Tyree Wilson this year. Yeah. And Max, Max is a warrior. I mean, we know that most players wouldn't even been out there mm-hmm. uh, and he's got a bad knee. Right. So, I mean, you know, he was in a lot of pain throughout that game and you saw that and you don't, you don't usually see Max Crosby lying on the ground in pain, letting that happen a couple times yesterday, but I give him all the credit in the world for being out there and giving it everything that he had. With that being said, I thought the first two drives for the Raiders they looked as good as they've looked all year. Yeah. I think we all would probably agree on that. Flawless drives. They looked phenomenal. And, and, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to, uh, a team with some Hall of Famers. Kelsey had an unbelievable football game. I don't think we should be surprised there, but you know, we're witnessing greatness. That's what, let's just be honest. That's what the Kansas City Chiefs are. Pat Mahomes is, is a legendary quarterback already. And, uh, Andy Reid is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. This is greatness. 
You gave a team, though, an opportunity. And when you give a team an opportunity to come back and you don't execute when you're up two touchdowns, this is what happens. So I think a part of it, you have to give Andy Reid credit for the adjustments that he made. Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. I mean, listen, the list goes on and on. They're a great football team. But I think you also have to say to yourself, while the Raiders are not anywhere near at that level, they still could have put the pedal to the metal when they were up two touchdowns and put a lot more pressure on the Chiefs, and they just didn't execute down the stretch either. So I think it's a little bit of both, Gully. Do you agree with me there? No, I do agree with you. And I think, you know, at today's press conference, Pierce said, yeah, it was execution. He said he didn't want to say anything bad about the other team, which in essence is read between the lines. We could have beat them. And I think the Raiders could have. I mean, I really do, especially being at home. But what happens is when you have a guy like Andy Reid, and you saw it midway through that second quarter, and I remember saying to somebody watching the game that, you know what, if they don't score here, the Raiders, then what's going to happen is Andy Reid's going to get the ball back with six minutes left in the first half, and they're going to go on a five-plus-minute drive and score and, and even this thing up. And, and that's exactly what they did because he knew how to adjust. And listen, and it's not, it's not a negative thing to say about Antonio Pierce. He doesn't have the experience. His coaching staff uh, on the offensive side doesn't have the experience. They didn't make adjustments. They went away for whatever reason from what was working and and decided to do something different, and it just didn't work out. They script those plays to begin the game. They worked out well. Going back to weeks one and two even for the Raiders when Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback, you saw the same thing. They came out, and man, this team is going right down the field and scoring, and then it just shuts down. And that's why they've only scored more than 20 points twice this season. And against a t- team like the Kansas City Chiefs, I know they've had their games where there's low scoring. They had been scored in the second half in three games, but you know it's going to come. You just do, to your point about these players. It's not that you have to sit there and gush about it, but you have to recognize it. Whether you like the Chiefs or hate the Chiefs, you have to acknowledge where they are, what they've done in the draft, right? Last year, they had six starters in the Super Bowl that were drafted the same year. They had rookies playing on that lineup. So it goes to show you that not only the coaching, but also player personnel, building the team and doing what they had to do. Uh, and, and the Raiders just aren't it's, – it's, it's not an overly negative thing. But, yes, two weeks in a row, missed opportunities against the Dolphins and now against the Chiefs. So, Brian, Gully brings up the press conferences, right? What uh, Coach Pierce said today. Gully, I got to get your ideas on what went down yesterday. Now, look, two sides of the coin, right? Antonio Pierce post game last night gives credit where credit is due, much to the, along the lines of what Brian was saying, right? Yeah. Talking about the Chiefs in glowing terms, saying this is a you know championship caliber type team, uh, you know, talking glowingly about Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. But then you had Amik Robertson in the locker room after this game, which they lost by two touchdowns, right? And yes, offensively, you like what you saw on the, you know, when you, when you see Jacoby Myers catching that touchdown pass, you know, from Aiden O'Connell and you see Josh Jacobs running from the Flamingo on the strip all the way to the Venetian with that touchdown run, people are going to get fired up. I get that. But Amik Robertson with his takes after the game about how the Raiders are a better football team. I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but not really saying the Raiders are a better team. They've got more dogs. I got to get your take on how that went down last night as far as his comments, as well as Antonio Pierce's. Well, listen, I mean, these are all young, competitive guys, and and you could tell by his demeanor that he was upset, right? Losing, uh, especially when you had an opportunity. And listen, you don't have to tell those guys in the locker room that they had the opportunity to perhaps beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which would have been a hallmark win for this team this year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it didn't work out. So I think in, in the moment of emotion, things pop out. 
and, and you want your guys to feel as though you believe in them and that you're all one unit. So I don't pay much credence to them. Yeah. Is it, is it bulletin board material for Christmas Day when they have to face the Chiefs again? Yeah. You bet it is. That time it's going to be in Kansas City in the cold weather. So it'll be even more difficult. But, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it, it's one of those things where if I'm his coach, I say, listen, we'd love your passion, all that kind of stuff, but don't give the other team any, any more fodder than they need other yeah. than the 31 to 17 win that they just, handed you yeah. at home on your own field. Gully, do you give the Raiders at this point in the season any chance at all at finding a way to get into postseason? Uh, at this point, I don't because I look at it this way. And look, anything can happen. They have five games left, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have a couple things going on here. Number one is they still have not figured out how to play four quarters of offense, okay? You're, you're now going into the bye. They had a late bye. You're going, you're going into week 13 and you haven't figured it out yet. So can they do something differently during this buy to figure it out to where they can score more points? They'll need to if they're going to beat Minnesota, if they're going to beat Indianapolis. These teams, you saw what Indy did yesterday with Gardner Minshew. So, so a lot of teams are, are getting better and progressing. Are the Raiders progressing? Yes. Are they progressing fast enough to get over the hump? I don't think so. Look what Denver's doing, right? Denver's now in sole possession of second place in the AFC West, and the Raiders and the Chargers are, are on the bottom looking up at them, sharing a room in the basement. So, so I don't think so, and I think you have to look at it this way, too. You have five games, if you're Antonio Pierce, if you're the Raiders, not only to try to win as many as you can, but Antonio Pierce, if he wants the job full-time, he's got five more games. He said it today. He said, listen, time's running out. i got to be better. I think I'm getting better, but I have to be better than I have been because they've gone two and two, under Antonio Pierce. They beat two bad teams and they lost to the two good teams. So that gives you a little bit of a measuring stick, but that doesn't mean the season's lost. I think this team can do more. Are those games quote unquote winnable? Yes. Just like the last two were, but are you going to be able to put four quarters together? Yep. Is the defense going to be able to pick it up a little bit down the stretch as well? And, and I would say that with Josh McDaniels, this was a below average bad football team. With McDaniels out the door with Pierce as the interim head coach, they are what I thought they would be at the beginning of the year, an average 500 type football team that will beat bad teams and lose to good teams and struggle with average teams like them. That's that's what they are. Scott, always a pre- pleasure to have you on, my friend. I know you're going to be rooting for UNLV football against Boise State here Absolutely. on Saturday. That's going to be a fun one, my friend. And we have a bye week. Uh, at least, well, I don't. I don't have a bye week. I got to be here every day. But uh, the Raiders have a bye week, and they're making a lot more money than I'm making. But hey, such is life. <laughs> uh, Gully, it's always a pleasure having you on, my friend. Great job uh, covering the Raiders, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, buddy? Have a good week, Scott. All right. All right, guys. We'll talk to you after the break. Appreciate it. That's Scott Galbertson, everybody, co-creator of the Silver and Black uh, today, and uh, always appreciate it. Uh, By the way, I wanted to mention this since we are talking about the NFL. I had no idea that Beast Mode, uh, actually, Marshawn Lynch actually owned his own store at Mandalay Bay. Did you know that? I did not know that. I knew that he lived here and he has a house here in Vegas. Weren't you in the because same Because I talked to you about this. So I'd run into him at the gym. You were in the same steam room. It was gym, crazy. So I was you at the gym on a Saturday night, which is out insane, right? In Vegas. Yeah. You're gonna, I'm, a, I'm a bachelor in Vegas and I'm, I'm in the gym on a Saturday night. And Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch rolls in there with, with, uh, with, uh, one Explain of his. Explain the uh, circumstances. His, it was like a, it was like a, it was a Saturday night, like 1230 at night, right? So it was, <laughs> it was super late. I'm just relaxing in the steam room, trying to trying to sweat out because uh, I'm a little stocky, right? I'm trying to lose I'm trying to lose some lbs, gentlemen. You know, trying to get more healthy. So I'm sweat I'm sitting in there, and then r- r- in comes there's nobody else in the steam room. I'm by myself, right? 
And he comes rolling in there with uh, his girlfriend, and uh, and he starts doing these breathing things in front of me. Now, <laughs> now, mind you, the steam room's not small, right? I mean, there's a, you could put right. you could put 25, 30 people in the steam room. So I'm sitting like up in the corner, in the in the corner, right when you walk in on the right hand side. So where does Marshawn, his girl, sit? Right at my feet in the steam room. I'm like, well, there is a whole huge uh, room here. You know, you know, I didn't say that, but I, that's what I was thinking, right? And so he starts doing this thing where he grabs his chest and starts doing these these breathing things, and he starts talking to his girl that's with him. And then he met, and he starts. Then he looks up at me and says, "Do you do you, do you do this kind of stuff too?" And just out of the blue, I'm like, I've never met the man before. Are ever. you guys all naked in there? No, what? no, absolutely not. Oh, okay. we were, I was, we were, they were wearing bad. like regular clothes, <laughs> okay. which you're not supposed to do. But I was wearing like, uh, yeah, like a swim trunks. Wait, they're wearing like. Like regular, like sweats, like a, basically he's wearing like a full sweatsuit with a hoodie and everything. Spo- you're not supposed to wear that in the Yeah, exactly. Room, yeah. But, uh, that's not, but that's not here, there, there. So, so he, <laughs> so I kind of was being funny about it. So I said to him, beast mode, I don't know anything about that. What's what, about those breathing, that breathing stuff you're doing? So he knew, so it gave him an indication that I knew, I knew he was, you know, <laughs> so he was even more, he was even more friendly then. He's a super friendly guy. He was a really nice guy, you know, a little quirky, <laughs> but that's fine, you know. So, and so, yeah, so I, I knew that he had a place here in Vegas, and I've seen him in there a couple times, by so, the way. So let that me give gym. you the story. So it doesn't surprise me. That's a super yeah. cool, that's a super funny story, yeah. by the way. So I'm uh, rolling around Mandalay Bay, and I didn't, I had dinner with a friend, and I didn't even know mm-hmm. there was a fight out there. And I run into yeah. Showtime, Sean Porter, who's taking selfies with everybody. We hung out for a little bit. I yeah. met his dad for the first time, great guy. And I'm walking around the mall area at Mandalay Bay, and all of a sudden I see this store called Beast Mode. <laughs> and I go in there, and there's some cool memorabilia, and there's a, Skittles vending machine because we all know that Beast Mode sponsors Skittles. Absolutely, 100%. Been, I yeah. love that. And I like Skittles. And this yeah. is the coolest vending machine I've ever seen. It's like three bucks and they gave me enough Skittles to last me a month. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but apparently this Beast Mode store started at Town Square and now they moved it to Mandalay Bay and it's a really cool store. They got all this autographed memorabilia, Beast Mode stuff and and pictures of him when he was in high school. Yeah. It's a really cool store, and it was I, I had no idea. And I was talking to uh, the person who works there, and I guess his sister is like manages it, right? Oh, really? Which yeah. is super cool. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was a lot of yeah, fun. yeah. Marshawn, he's got a lot of his hands in a lot of things here post career. Yeah. He's yeah. been doing pretty solid. We've all seen him do the Thursday night football promo. He's res- still involved there. All, all due respect, he's got to cool. stop drinking and driving. You got to knock that crap off, man. Oh, you, you got to knock it off. You get busted in Vegas. It's happened a couple times. Oh, it's happened, it? a, it's yeah. happened a couple times. You got to knock that stuff off. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I know but he's got. No one's going to get done that. I'm I know. About, I know he's got all the money in the world, and and he's got great attorneys and. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with the, but, that's neither here nor so, there when it comes but, to that. But you can't, you gotta, you can't, you, you gotta, can't you, gotta you gotta, you gotta stop this stuff. By the way, no, and that, that kind of leads us, right? I know we're going down to the end of the show here, Brian. Uh, you know, you have that defensive back that got, that got, uh, team or like basically got, uh, a, you know, on the Raiders, for yeah. a DUI stupid. on a Sunday morning. So you're, you're playing a game in a matter of hours and you're, you're, wait a minute, time out. You're out and about gallivanting and drinking on Saturday night at yeah. three, at four o'clock in the morning. Wait, be, wait, right before you have a game, give me a break, man. Okay, should look, be- I'm I'm the last person who's going to sit here and, and lecture you people about how you should spend your social time, right? And, and and as far as when you should be drinking or whatever. Yeah. But you're an NFL player. You have a game coming up in a matter of hours. What the hell are you doing, man? Okay, so that's ridiculous. And to kind of circle back to the Raiders, Brian. Look, they're up against it, right? You're talking about not only uh, just you look at the dynamic that is the AFC West, right, with the division, and Gully broke it down, right? You've got the Kansas City Chiefs at the top of the division, the cream of the crop. You've got the Denver Broncos right now, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, uh, have won five straight games, 
since they gave up that 70 spot to yeah. the Milwaukee to the, to, to the uh, Miami Dolphins, I think it was in week three. They've they've only allowed 80 points in the five six games since then. My point being is that he's exactly right. It's the Chiefs, it's the yeah. Broncos, I just, and the Raiders and the, and the Chargers are sitting there right there in the basement. I want to go back with, to what you just said about Teamer, right? He's the guy who right. got the uh, DUI. I commend the Raiders for making the right decision, and if there's any team that should release somebody right away on a DUI, you know, when you go back to the rug stuff and everything else, yeah. uh, they did. They, they did, did the, okay. Uh, so Teamer, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. So Teamer has been officially released. You also make a good point. It's not just the atrocious decision yeah. uh, of drinking and driving. It doesn't matter whether you're a professional athlete or anybody. You're parting it up in the early Sunday morning hours when you have a football game to play. Right, it makes, you want to talk no about the most unprofessional yeah. thing to do, beside the fact that you're putting everybody's lives at risk, mm-hmm. uh, driving drunk after what happened with rugs and everything else. It's amazing to me, Chris. These players have money. Just get a freaking Uber. Are you that stupid? I don't understand yeah. what's wrong with these stupid athletes. Get an Uber. Spend 20 or 30 bucks. You're risking your career, your life, other lives out there. It's one of the most selfish things you could do. It's the epitome of stupidity with some of these professional athletes that think they can walk on water and they have money. Get a driver. I just, yeah, I what's that? Look, it isn't even about the money, though. It's just, it's just you're giving a black eye to your own reputation. You're giving a black eye to the Raiders, right? It's right. another, it's another hit against the Raiders, right? When it comes Correct. to yep. to 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 your to your public image here in Vegas, right, and around right. the NFL, there was people already yesterday, right? If you're on social media, you're on social media. If you're on X, you're on. There, people are already clowning Vegas. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, another Raider player with a DUI. Real shocker there. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. It's, it's a, a bad, bad look. look. Yeah. And, uh, to go along with all the other things that you described as well. Too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I just want to be clear on this before we go. Oh, wait. Give me your pick. Who wins? Boise State or UNLV? UNLV is going to win. I'm oh, taking, in fact, boy. in fact, C win is going to have a money line parlay on UNLV. And I'll probably have it tied to the Washington Oregon game on Friday night, even though I cannot attend because, yes, I do have a job in which I have to work Friday night. So that's why I will not be there. UNLV. Congratulations. C win sleeping in until 7 p.m. at night. Okay. UNLV, why I won't be there. UNLV fans did not want to hear that Chris Wynn is picking UNLV. To win. Congratulations, Boise win. State. Storybook season. Should my we friends. give Boise State the title belt right now? Come on now. now. <laughs> Not the case. <laughs> NBA midseason basketball tournament is coming up next unique, week. Unique and fun, right, Brian? Uh, I might be bringing Vivica A. Fox to the games, by the way. It's a possibility. I might be doing that. We'll, we'll sh- we could reverse it, right, Numchuck? We could say Vivica's going to bring Shap because it's Vivica's. Well, she's the one. Who's the more f- high profile person out of the oh, two? Oh, me by far. You let's let's just okay. be honest. Yeah, yeah me by far. Okay. She's flying out here, um, <laughs> most likely. Uh, we got that going on. We got two uh, big football games. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, uh, UNLV basketball tomorrow night. Akron Zips. Are you going? Are I would be. Well, I'm doing a show till eight, so I'm going to be there at halftime. I'll oh. be there by halftime. I'll save you some so, chicken uh, yeah. in the media room. All right, I'll see you there. Save me a handful, handful of uh, chicken nuggets. So you will friend. be showing up at halftime. All right, I'm I surprised will. to hear halftime. that. Okay, fair enough. Hey, we got your favorite porn star legend, Evan Stone. Love him. Love I, me some Evan Stone, yeah, baby. He's coming in studio tomorrow because he's running for senator. So we're going to have a, actually a serious. I don't converse. know about all that, but yeah, well, he is. And then we got uh, Andrew <laughs> Yang, the former presidential candidate, now starting yeah. his own independent party. He's going to be joining us on Wednesday. Chris, thank you for being here as always. Yeah. Always a lot of fun busting your chops, and uh, we will see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great day, everybody.